Listening to Sound Booth Podcast. Join our hosts as they talk about pop culture, entertainment, and how to balance everything secular and spiritual. Turn this stupid thing off and keep squealing at me. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sound Booth Podcast. Tonight we are glimless, but instead we are joined by my lovely wife April. Say hi, April. Hi, April. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> hi. Yeah. That's my real voice. And we're also joined, as always, with the lovely John. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is going to be all about John's story. I know we've talked about his uh, story in previous episodes, but this is where we're going to be getting all the nitty gritty details. Yeah, you get to hear my awesome and slightly boring background story, but no, it, it'll be good. I think it's going to be fun. It's okay. It'll be in your awesome and boring voice. Just kidding. I love it. <laughs> oh, shots fired. <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> and also, at the end of the episode, if we get to it, we have a little surprise for John from his mm. halcyon days of IFB-ness. <laughs> I don't even know if I use the word halcyon correctly, but we're just going to go on with it. Okay. I don't even know what that means, but that's cool. I, I'm going to look it up later. <laughs> yeah. But before we get into that, it's been a while since we've sat down and recorded, and things have happened. Two things, in fact. One spiritual, one not so much, but... Secular. Secular, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is what we are all about on this podcast, is balancing mm-hmm. the secular and the spiritual. First things first, me and April had the honor of going to the RFP meetup. John and Glenn didn't get to go because they are bums. Yeah. I really wish I could have gone. I actually ordered my tickets like three months in advance before the meetup, but that was right right before I left the job I was working at the time, which to be honest, uh, it was worth it just because it was job conditions weren't weren't great or work conditions weren't great, but I'm working in a much better job environment now. And unfortunately, they weren't able to approve the time off for that. So that was just a sacrifice I had to make, but yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad that you guys got to go and talk about that a little bit. You guys want to just tell us a little bit about your about the highlights of that and everything? Yeah. So, yeah, we got there first. First, first thing, the camp where they were at, it was absolutely beautiful. Mm. I was right. expecting like IFB camp, no air conditioning, <laughs> bad camp food, all the, the snack memories. shack at, um, yeah. Yeah, that that campground, like the buildings were all air conditioned and it was actually so cold in there. I didn't bring a jacket or anything and I froze the whole time because I thought, oh, it's going to be hot in there. Yeah, and the the rooms that, you know, they were saying at the place, it was like hotel rooms, but without the TV. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. We didn't stay on the campgrounds. We went to a hotel, like civilized people. And and that pool. Oh, good Lord. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Did the y'all went, there. Did y'all sinners go mixed bathing? Yes. Um, <laughs> I think that's what the normal people out there call swimming. Yes. Yeah. They did. Yeah. They, <laughs> this pool had a water slide, John. Oh my gosh. A water wow. slide. I saw pictures. It looked it was, really cool. It, it had one section that was kind of like a jacuzzi thing, and the, another section that was a whirlpool. Oh, that was fun. Anyway. Yeah, and, I yeah. Uh, I had to basically almost force 
him to go on the uh, water slide it was actually really <laughs> slow i thought it'd be fast but it just it slowly glided down it this is the same argument we have every single time we go to amusement parks and she's like, let's go on the roller coaster. And I'm like, and he's no. like, no. <laughs> well, what happened, I think was, uh, I think it was Brett yeah. and his, uh, his sons went up there. I didn't want to go up there first mm -hmm. because I wanted to see if it was safe. Yeah. So I was like, oh, he can go first. But then I saw Brett and his sons um, go up there and they did it. And I was like, well, if they can do it, you can do it. And then I mm -hmm. can. Yeah. It was super fun. Have either of you been to a water park before? I have actually, sort yes. Sort of like <laughs> attached to a theme park. Because I know that those are like the one of the cardinal sins in the movement we were in. Mm -hmm. But we actually did go to a water park. We, uh, me, me, my dad, and my brother, but we uh, were very careful when we went there let me put mm -hmm. it that way you, you mean you wore jeans and like long sleeve t-shirts <laughs> wind pants to swim wind pants and a shirt actually well, but yeah that's a little bit better yeah i guess me and uh well i don't know if glenn went or not but whenever they had a were you there were you at um chick-fil-a whenever they did the wild river country thing april like i think it was the last year uh... i was working there I think I missed out on that. I was only there for a couple of months before we moved oh, to yeah. Maumelle. So okay. I know a bunch of people work there that ended up working at Maumelle, but well, we were still no. going to our IFB church and we, we went to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. On a Sunday. Oh, <laughs> double, double whammy. Heretic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, sorry. You guys were saying about the meetup, the, the live recordings, yeah. they, they're amazing. We got to see that these people do make mistakes and they are human by uh, how many yeah. times JC flubbed a take. And she's like, thank you for tuning in to the recovering for the three, two, one. And then he kept doing it over and over. It was really funny to see that. Yeah. And then they kept having technical difficulties. What? The uh, They're not perfect. Yeah. No. They're human. Yeah. It, and they admit it. And, and the funny thing was, you, you've been to IFB conferences before where the uh, main speakers show up and everyone's like groveling at their feet. But no, and mm -hmm. JC and them, uh, the Four Freedom guys, Lo Lois McNair came later. There's a funny mm -hmm. story with that. But uh, they they were just really like regular people. There was no like hierarchy mm -hmm. or the anything. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I mean, it was humbling to be able to talk to them just because yeah. of the impact that they've had on our lives and us not even exactly. having met them. But it wasn't like, oh, that's the untouchable man of God. <laughs> it was more like, okay, this is a cool dude. I want to like thank him for like, you know, being cool. I got the fist yeah. bump, Brian. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. They were all awesome. Yeah. In the did live you, sessions. Did you great. get Nathan Cravat to sign your Bible? I was tempted to, but no. <laughs> yeah. No, we, uh, I will say that the, uh, with the live sessions, those were really amazing to be a part of. Yeah. Um, actually, I said this on the RFP fam group and I'll say it here too. There was something that Brian Edwards said about anxiety and how he struggled I, with it. I think I heard that. Was it about yeah. camp or something yeah. or when he was talking about camp? Yeah. Yeah. He mentioned it with the camp thing and then he said something else about it. And it just made me feel so much better because yeah. I've struggled with it my whole life. I can relate to that. So too. it was nice to hear one of the people who I'm not saying he's like the mog, like in the IFB, but somebody I look up to and respect said and admitted that, whereas an IFB preacher would never that, right. say that. 
That's one thing I've noticed ever since, you know, leave, leaving churches. The preachers that we have now, they're not scared to admit when they're wrong or they don't just jokingly, quote unquote, pass the buck. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of that, like the uh, the preacher at the church that we're at now, he has said, I remember a couple different times in like Sunday morning messages, he would talk about how he sometimes gets seasonal depression in the fall or like like mm-hmm. late fall whenever there's not as much sunlight and stuff and he's I not get getting that. that vitamin is what is it vitamin, vitamin d, d or something d, d. d. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and yeah he he admits like that he goes through depression sometimes and it's just refreshing to hear the leader of this big church and he's not acting like he's some untouchable person with with mm-hmm. no flaws yeah I think the pastor of our church once told me when I was talking to him about the whole man of God structure and he he was like well we're all men of God technically and he was like a pastor is just a sheep among sheep helping other sheep find understand the shepherd better that's all they right. are so yeah yeah mm-hmm. you said that there was two different things you guys want or yeah Oh, or is there something else you guys were going to talk about? There was one other thing about the meetup, and this is uh-huh. just a side advertisement. I got to uh, do a episode with Lois and Emily oh, yeah. on the uh, recovering or the RFWP. Um, so go check that out. Uh, I listened to it. It was you did a good job, April. Yeah, I liked Thank it you. a lot. I was so nervous. I don't know if Lois and Emily noticed this, but the whole time I was sitting there like shaking and I was like playing with my phone, like my pop socket. I was so nervous. <laughs> but once it was over, like I drove away and I felt such a weight lifted. So yeah. that was good to be able to share that. I, I couldn't tell that you were nervous. You seemed you seemed just like your normal self to me. You did. Well, that's good. <laughs> uh, I've had people say that and I'm like, yeah. wow, I guess I'm really good at faking it then. You did. All those years of practice. Hey, well, you know, yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. we're taught to do. Yep. And also one, one other thing I want to say, got to talk to the uh, For Freedom guys, oh, which, 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 yeah, fun, fun fact, they actually uh, live in a town, uh, like the next town over from where you grew up. Yeah. yeah. Well, they go to church or they went to church. I don't know. The town is Rockwell or Rockwell, if you're a local person there, uh, North Carolina, and my home church is there. Um, I have no problems with them at all, but I'm from the town next to that town. So yeah, shout out to John and James. Yeah, awesome. I apologize for my Star Wars opinions. Uh, <laughs> we, we got to slightly heated debate about that. But hey, if you guys are listening right now, Star Wars episode, just saying, yeah. open invitation. I think I think everybody has a Star Wars opinion that someone is upset about. I'm just yeah. gonna say that. Like I personally, mine is I think the prequels were better than the originals. Just just my opinion. Heresy. <laughs> well, I fell asleep trying to even attempt to watch them, and that gets me in trouble. So yeah, that's that's a that's unforgivable. <laughs> I can't help it. I was tired. I didn't want to watch them. Yeah. But you did, you, you humored me. That's all that matters. That's your exit. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> rude. <laughs> the other thing that happened to us was this past Saturday, we got to go to the Comic-Con here in our state. Oh, that, oh yeah. That, so fun. It was fun. We got, got to meet people, got to stand in line for three hours waiting for this one mm-hmm. autograph. April uh, got to say, hi, April. I'm April. I did. I met um, <laughs> Judith Hogue who played in the 1990 uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. It was funny because she looked at my picture that she was going to sign and she saw my name on there. And she's like, 
so your name's April. And I said, hi, April. I'm April. <laughs> <laughs> and it, she just laughed and she was really, really super sweet. Like you meet these celebrities and sometimes they're just like, oh, sign autograph, get out of my way. But she was like super nice. She like made eye contact with you and talked to you for like a minute or two. Yeah. Had a picture with her. Was she from an animated Ninja Turtles uh, show no, it was or was the it live action? Live action 1990. Yeah. And movie. she was also um, in Halloween Town for Disney oh, okay. Channel people. Yeah. She was the mom. Yeah. That's her two most famous things she was in. She's yeah. been in a couple of other things, but you know, yeah. those were like her two most iconic things. I, I got to meet, uh, most of the stuff I got signed was from voice actors, anime stuff. Uh, I got to meet J. Michael Tatum. He was really nice. I, I told him about this uh, show that he, he was on called Assassination Classroom. And then turns out he was actually one of the guys who helped adapt it into English. And then, yeah, he was really nice. Uh, Lucy Christian, she's voiced a lot of characters. And she was just so, she she was fangirling almost every time someone came up with, you know, merch of her characters for her to sign or, you know, <laughs> they came cosplay as one of her characters. She was just nerding out like one of us. And she was one nice. of us, one of and us. And <laughs> in the line we stood in like three hours for it was uh, Chris Sabat. Yeah, uh, that, that's the one. If I went, I would have, I would have liked to meet him. And it's because, and yeah, the for the one thing that nobody else knows Chris Sabat for, his role in a very unpopular video game, Deus Ex um, Invisible War, that was a very underrated game, or just just a very, uh, yeah, it's a game that's, that wasn't very popular, but he's done so many other like anime roles and stuff, but I really like his, his voice acting. Yeah, Glenn was going nuts for the American Pie people that were there. Um, <laughs> Figures. <center. laughs> Wait, he's not here. We can talk about him all we yeah. want. So yeah, that that was fun. Spent about hundred fifty dollars, but it was worth it. I spent most of my money on food. Yeah. I love Comic Con. Don't get me wrong, but the food is always at such an inflated price. <laughs> it's like it's like movie theater food. It is. Yeah, it was three dollars yeah. for a can of like soda. There's a guy charging a hundred dollars for a pop figurine over there oh goodness so, yeah. <laughs> yeah we got some cool merch too yeah. but yeah it was fun moving on to the meat of this episode john this is your story <laughs> <laughs> this is my story this is your story. Right. so <laughs> i grew up in a family with i have eight siblings i'm the third oldest of nine uh, so i have four brothers and four sisters mm. Grew up pretty sheltered, pretty isolated as far as, I guess, just from society and stuff like that. We were homeschooled, uh, so I didn't have a lot of friends growing up um, besides a couple of friends maybe that that we met at various churches we would go to off and on. One of my youngest friends that I had, I think, was actually, I think he was one of my, one of my dad's co-workers, sons maybe or something like that. This was actually when we lived down in uh, Bolivia when, on one of my dad's uh, foreign assignments. So like that, that was where I spent the first like five years of my life ever since I was nine months old. We stayed there for about five years. And so I think my first best friend was uh, when we were there. And then I've never seen him after that. <laughs> I, I really don't know anything about him or his family or what they're doing now or anything. But when we moved to the U.S. Uh, after that, my dad bought a house in Southern Illinois, very rural country. Uh, there's a lot of like Amish and Mennonite community, communities around there. We actually 
um, had like several Mennonite neighbors that lived down the street from us and they would visit us and bring us, you know, homemade food. And they're, I mean, they were just very kind people. And, um, and then we eventually wound up visiting their church and actually went, um, at, we didn't go there on a regular basis, but we probably went there at least once a month, sometimes twice a month mm-hmm. for probably, I guess, six or seven years or something like that. I honestly, I'm just going to be honest at this point in my life, I hated church. Um, just to be honest, cause like what church was to me going to that Mennonite church, it was, uh, you had to sit still. You had to not talk during the whole service. Uh, if you guys think that certain IFB churches are like strict or, um, <laughs> or like not laid back or like just uncomfortable because of like how, how you're expected to behave. Well, yeah, this Mennonite church was like 10 times worse than that. <laughs> as far as, as far as like how you were, you were supposed to behave in church. They actually, the, the men and the women actually had to sit on different sides of the church. Like, you know, how most churches have the aisle in the middle and then the pews on the sides or whatever, if it's a smaller church, even if they were married, even if they were married. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So the, the husbands and their sons would sit on the right side of the church in that particular building. And then the wives and the daughters would sit on the left side, unless sometimes there would be like for, if there were like babies or toddlers, you know, they would sometimes sit on the other side with their parents or something like that. We did that for a while, but actually I think towards the end of uh, visiting that church, we never joined because my dad, uh, he doesn't believe in joining churches or anything, being members of church. (laughs) My dad actually started kind of like being a little bit rebellious. And so he would start having our whole family sit together on one side and no one ever told us not to, but I mean, it was just kind of like, I felt kind of uncomfortable, like we were breaking rules and stuff. But at the same time, I was proud of my dad because I thought that was so stupid how they separated everybody like that. And you were like, not even really supposed to, like even before or after the services, guys weren't even really supposed to talk to girls in the church building. Like maybe once you walked out, you could walk out as a family and stuff and uh, guys and girls could talk to each other, but it was like, while you're at the church building, you know, you're supposed to be separated. It was just really weird. Um, at least to me, it was growing up and, um, we were supposed to, uh, my dad wanted us like to make sure that we were being very diligent on our Sunday school classes there. They had like, um, these Sunday school books that you had to fill in answers for and memorize memory verses and, that's one thing that I always dreaded on uh, Saturdays is on the, the days that before we would go to church is having to, having to study and fill those out. (laughs) It was just a very stressful time, but. uh, And here I thought it was bad being like the Sunday school teacher's kid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then not to mention they don't, I mean, I'm sure most people know what uh, Mennonites and Amish like kind of how they live, but uh, just for context. Now they, these Mennonites that we went to church with, they weren't like, they weren't as strict as Amish where like you can't have electricity or you can't have like motor vehicles and stuff. Like they had all that stuff, but um, pretty much no one had a computer at their houses. No one had TVs. Um, The only kind of music they listened to was their own music. So like if they, um, 
they had various Mennonite artists that would record acapella CDs or, or cassette tapes, I guess, back then. Yeah. And Ooh. so we had some of those that we, <laughs> that we listened to. Now, obviously at that time, yeah. um, we were also listening to other music, like music that I liked, the Eagles, the the Beach yeah. Boys, the Beatles, yeah. Backstreet Boys, and yes, 90s. <laughs> yes, thank you, Britney Spears, um, all that you good right. stuff. I'm sorry, I but, do have one question about yeah. the church. Um, do they also use the King James Bible only, or yes. something else? Okay, yes, they were. I think that was one of the reasons actually that we went to that church because, um, and I don't know where, um, I don't know where my dad's um I guess where my dad's preference of King James only started because ever as long as I can ever remember even before we were going to that church my parents used King James Bibles or I think it was something my dad grew up with but um he has always stressed the importance of um of using the King James and how the other versions the other versions are taking away from the word of God and stuff like that and so I believed that my whole childhood and everything like that, I didn't think anything weird about that aspect. Um, and so I guess that's one reason that my dad, we, that we visited that church for so long is just because they were a King James only church. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, it's a IFB times much more strict. Yeah. On the flip side, I will say, um, and I, okay, well, so I will say that, um, in general, it seems like the Mennonites that uh, that I knew were a whole lot kinder. They seemed a lot kinder than um, a lot of the preach, or at least like the preachers and stuff. And the preaching was not like bombastic and all hellfire and brimstone. Like they actually mm-hmm. had some very deep teaching and discipleship and stuff like that. And I can give I can give them some props for that. Um, I was too stubborn to care about it at the time. (laughs) So, and I think it went a little bit above my head just because, you know, all the families that grew up in those churches, they were taught to memorize these verses from very young ages and everything. And they were taught all the principles of the Bible. But um, we, I kind of grew up with just a general idea of the Bible. I liked the Bible stories, the the kids' Bible stories and stuff like that. But yeah. all the deep stuff just went over my head. So I didn't really care about it when we were going to that church, but I was going to say that you guys might get a kick out of this. There was, um, there was like, normally they didn't have like guest preachers and stuff at those churches, but I think there was one time he might've been like, and they have like a hierarchy and stuff like where they have a bishop that oversees several churches and stuff like that. There was this guy, I don't know what his position was, if he was like a bishop or what, but he preached at that church one Sunday. The whole thing that I can remember about that service is he was preaching against people living it up. Um, he would be like, you know, there's some some people uh, in, in our churches that are, they, they go on, you know, they live like, they live like all holy and stuff. But then when they go on a vacation, they're listening to other other kinds of music they're going swimming at hotels with the opposite sex and everything like that <sighs> just like <laughs> and yeah. I was like after that service I was just like me and my brothers and sisters were just like 
cracking up about it and we were joking about <laughs> and my older sister uh, I hope she doesn't listen to this because she was she was very into that church at the time and she was actually trying to become a Mennonite become a member there um, but she would like rebuke me and scorn me and stuff like that because I would like make fun of that preacher and stuff <laughs> and like like um, I think actually some of my siblings and I used to make Mennonite jokes um, like <laughs> they there was a there was an awkward thing that they did in in that um in that church where like the men would I guess I guess they got this from the verse that says like greet each other with a holy kiss or whatever so the men would uh, like kiss each other on the cheek the women would kiss each other on the cheek and stuff like that and I think one time like my younger sister was like why did brother so-and-so kiss brother so-and-so <laughs> and I was like why and she was like because he wanted to share some M&Ms with him or something like that <laughs> <laughs> or COVID no I don't know <laughs> yeah, that was a long just, time before oh. COVID. anyway yeah I think I've derailed a little bit but. it's okay it's normal for this podcast mm, you don't say mm. so i guess the next thing would be what brought you to the, the ifb or if okay. there's something you want to say in between that ifb obviously we're talking about independent fundamental baptist movement mm -hmm. um we were going to that church and then we sort of had a falling out well mainly my dad had a falling out with the elders there and stuff whenever my sister was trying to uh to become a member now my dad I don't think he ever really wanted her to become a member, but he didn't tell her no. Like he told her, you know, you, you can do what you want. And uh, so she would go to pretty much every service there. And we would go like maybe, like I said, once, once or twice a month. And then she would start taking these classes like on Sunday afternoons or they would have like membership classes or something like that. Well, eventually, right when they were getting up to the point of about to allow her to become a member, I don't know if this was something that the, that those people that the church required to like have her, her bless, I mean, her dad's blessing or anything on this or like allowing it or something, or I don't know if my dad requested to meet with them. I think it might've been my dad requesting to meet with them. I know I was a little bit young at the time. So it was a really awkward time. Like we went there on a weeknight. It was just my family and like maybe three elders of the church. It pretty much turned into a debate between my dad and those guys <laughs> about different things that they disagreed with in the Bible. And my dad was <laughs> the one that was egging it on. But like, I was like, just, I don't want to be here. <laughs> why, why am I here for this? Can I go home now? That pretty much turned into, yeah, we, we left after that. We didn't go back to, well, actually, I think my dad has maybe kind of made amends with people from that church since then, but not really attended there ever since, like faithfully or anything. He pulled my sister out of the church. We were actually in the process of moving. My dad had another foreign assignment uh, to Paraguay this time in South America. And before, I think it was like maybe the last six to eight months before we left or something, we started visiting different churches. And this was when I actually, I didn't mind visiting churches. And I think part of that had to do with me becoming a middle teenage boy that started becoming interested in girls and stuff like that. I didn't want to marry a Mennonite. I knew that much because I didn't like that whole head covering and like, you know, homemade dress look and everything. And Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> yeah, Little House yeah. on the Prairie. So we we visited some different churches. I think we first visited maybe a Church of Christ. We visited a Pentecostal church. Um, then my dad discovered 
independent Baptist. Um, he was looking around, I think, online at King James churches or something like that. And I think that's how he discovered. So we first visited one that I really, I didn't really care for that much. The guy seemed to have like a, I don't know if he had a cold or a sore throat that service, or if he was just, if that was just his voice, but he was like screaming and it sounded like his throat was like, it was just really raspy and annoying. <laughs> we needless to say, I mean, we didn't actually stay at that church. I think we visited like maybe two weeks. And then we went to another church another independent Baptist church. And I actually liked this church. And I actually, um, the past, uh, the pastor that was the pastor, then I still respect him to this day. He's a mentor of mine. And um, I mean, I still look up to him. He's not the pastor there anymore, but uh, they have a legalist that took over that church now. <laughs> like you did. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he was very helpful. We we actually only went to that church probably for about two or three months before we moved to Paraguay. But I considered it kind of like my first home church because I actually loved that church. I love the people there. To me, that was like so much. It was like so much of a breath of fresh air compared to the Mennonite church that we had gone to because as like they've said on the RFP, there is legalism in every denomination. It's not just independent Baptist. It's not just Southern Baptist or anything like the Mennonites are, in my opinion, probably 10 times more legalistic than most independent Baptist churches. And so it was, it was really a breath of fresh air to me to not be having to worry so much about, I guess, talking about like movies and because uh, like they were actually some of the people there watched different movies and like superhero stuff and star wars or whatever yeah. and i didn't know much then yet about how they didn't like to listen to secular music but but it just felt like we didn't have to like hide our identities as much there then we moved to paraguay didn't really go to church I, yeah we i think that was probably the time in our lives where we really didn't go to church much at all it was maybe once a month or something like that and we would visit different churches down there because most of them didn't speak uh, didn't have English speaking services or whatever. They were mostly just Spanish and stuff. That was kind of my introduction to the IFB. How old were you when you got when you first got introduced? I was 15 when when I first went to that church and yeah, it was right before I right before my 16th birthday. That was when we moved to Paraguay. And you said that your dad was um was he in like the military? No, he was in the federal government. Uh, he worked for the DEA. Yeah. He was he was in the federal government. He had two different foreign assignments. Uh, and that was the second one when we moved to Paraguay and everything. Yeah. So. And just uh, one, one thing you said about legalism, how it being in all the churches. I was reading this uh, book by R.C. Sproul, and he talked about uh, just Christianity in general, like two ditches on, on the side of like true Christianity. One side being legalism and the other side he called antinomianism which is just anything goes it's pretty much there's a there's a right and a left to everything not just politics yeah the the problem is is whenever you go over to the far right or the far left mm -hmm. and that that's when because you're miss you're straying away from that middle that that narrow middle way there's a there's a verse in the book of james that talks about like pure religion and i'm probably going back to king james on this because i don't that's what i have memorized in my mind but like pure religion and undefiled is this the that like you don't forsake the the widows and the the fatherless and stuff and also that you remain unspotted from the world and that's kind of what you were talking about like having that balance of caring for people yeah. and loving people 
but then also keeping uh, keeping your morals and things like that. Whenever you don't stop caring about like the widows and orphans and stuff like that, that's when your church becomes an echo chamber and it can mm-hmm. all, yeah. can only get worse from there. <laughs> and like I said, there's two there's two sides. You can go to the side of oh we're uh, we're just God is love and you know we're we're not going to judge you come as you are and leave the same leave as you came um and that is just as bad if not worse than than legalism i mean i think it's probably just just about the same there's two extremes and then yeah there's the other side of legalism of just focusing so much on the rules that you forget about caring for the people and what jesus came for was to to minister to people and to to love people to help them and get down where they're at and then you know bring them bring them into his fold it's like spirit of the law versus letter of the law kind of thing yeah because legalism is basically going that god's uh, grace and rules are not enough i need to add my own stuff to it Mm -hmm. and the other side is the rules don't matter i can i'm saved i can do whatever i want i can live however i want do whatever i want Mm -hmm. yeah they're dangerous yeah. Well, I guess so kind of continuing on. Um, so that was my introduction to the IFB. I still wasn't IFB at that point because we had only visited for a few months and then we didn't go to church for like, not on a regular basis, didn't go to church for like another three years or so until we moved back to the U.S. And I'll just fast forward the next three years. Yeah, we lived in Paraguay, but yeah, I wasn't really... We did visit church and stuff, but I wasn't like, uh, I just wasn't a very spiritual person at the time. I I didn't have a relationship with God, but I grew up kind of thinking that I believed in God. I believed the Bible and I believed that Jesus came and died for the world and stuff like that. But I didn't have that personal relationship or anything. And to me, I, I was always just the way that I feel like I was taught. And I don't know. I feel like they've kind of taught this in Mennonite churches too, that like there was some aspect of works playing into your salvation too. That was also how my family believed and how I was taught by my parents that you, that you're not saved by a decision that you make, but rather it's by a continuous believing in God and staying on the, on the straight and narrow path of your morals and everything. As long as you did that, then you you could go to heaven. But there it wasn't. There was like no. There was no certainty there. I never had a certainty that I was going to heaven or anything. So, but yeah, I didn't really think about it a lot during those during that time since we weren't really going to church on a regular basis. I was kind of just living my best life and <laughs> Nick's bathing, playing video games and all that good stuff. Going swimming in our nice swimming pool that we in our in ground swimming pool that we had at that house in Paraguay. I wish we still had that. that. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we moved back. I had heard of Crown College at this point, Crown College in Powell, Tennessee. I think I first heard of it from some of the people that I went to that church with um, before we moved. Like I know that a couple of the a couple of the members there were about to leave for Crown College, um, like that next semester after we left. Um, and then we also, when we were in Paraguay, we w- we met some missionaries who attended Crown College. We became pretty good friends. Invited them over to our house. They had us over to their house. And my brother and I, my dad was having my brother and I at the time go to this little like a medical college down in Paraguay or medical school. And I I really hated it. I guess my brother didn't hate it because he's actually in the medical field now. Both of us flunked out pretty much. Uh, We were just there for a semester. I think my dad was a little bit leery of my older brother because 
he was a little bit more of a ladies man than I was. And <laughs> he made, he was getting a little bit close to some girls uh, there. And I, I just don't think my dad wanted him to wind up with them. So Crown College, mm-hmm. <laughs> the solution. He was taken to Crown College. He went there for two years while we were living in Paraguay. Um, we visited him off and on. And I honestly, whenever we visited him, I didn't like one time my sister and I were spending the day with him at Crown College as like visitors. And I was just so uncomfortable the whole time. Like we went to these different classes. I felt like, I don't know, it just seemed like, and it, and I was like an extreme introvert back then. I hardly talked to anybody, but I felt like everyone was judging me and like, who is this nerd that's here at this college that doesn't know how to talk to anybody. And then we got to do the glorious thing of going on bus visitation on Saturday because my brother was on the bus. And that was like another thing that I hated doing. Bless your heart. (laughs) Yeah. Because so my brother, I think my brother and sister, me, me and my older sister were visiting my brother one time there and he was with one of his friends visiting part of a route. And then we, I think my brother or me and my sister went with like the bus captain visiting. He was like trying to make conversation. And I was just like, uh, you know, trying to think of things to say, to answer and talk about, cause I was still really bad at talking and everything. But yeah, I, I didn't, that was really uncomfortable for me. I hated going out and talking to random people and Amen. stuff. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Soul winning is an introvert's nightmare. Yeah. But yeah, I got ridiculed in Bible college for my approach of just, uh, I would go off by myself and just leave tracks on all the doors and then just call it, call it mm-hmm. done. So <laughs> the only reason I got good at soul yeah. winning is because of my telemarketing job. Yeah. That's what it felt like sometimes. And also John, what were you talking about having a, having a brother who was a bit of a lazy man while you were not? Yeah. I, I relate hard with that yeah <laughs> oh what are you talking about you're oh. such a ladies man I pull the girls off of you yeah that, that's <laughs> sarcasm okay so so that kind of that that was the part that I skipped over that um kind of leads to the next part so whenever we moved back to the U.S. um my dad bought this house in Tennessee in Cleveland Tennessee he was looking all over Tennessee, like um, just because he liked it whenever we were visiting my brother and stuff. But he wound up buying this house in Cleveland, Tennessee. And um, my sister and I, we actually left before the rest of the family did. We left Paraguay and my dad wanted us to start like going into the house because it was an older house, doing work on the house and cleaning out brush and cutting cutting trees and things like that to kind of clear up the property and stuff. So we went there a little bit early and then we started looking for, and, and, oh, and so we actually met my brother who just got out of his second year of crown and he didn't wind up going back after that. So we got there as he was just in finishing his spring semester. So we all, all three of us moved into that house. We started going to a few different, visiting a few different churches. I found one that I really liked. Shenandoah Baptist Church in Cleveland, Tennessee. Shout out. Uh, I still like that church, <laughs> just to be honest. Uh, it, it is an independent Baptist church, but I still, I actually have some good friends that still go there. The pastor that was there, I really looked up to him when I was there, but he's not the pastor there anymore. He, I think, pastor somewhere maybe in Indiana now or something. We made a lot of good friends the sh- very short period that we were going to that church, and I'll explain why in a second, but yeah, that summer was was a very good summer. Uh, 
probably it was probably the first year that I actually started like learning to socialize somewhat and I think it's just because we had some really good friends and a good like it was the singles class pretty much that we hung out with and stuff played board games and uh, volleyball and different things around the church and stuff like that whatever activities young people can find to do video games we did some split screen halo and call of duty with some of my friends and stuff yeah (laughs) Yeah, we actually did that in the church nursery one time because they had this big screen TV in there. For, Why? Uh, well, <laughs> Alex. Please do. So, so they had this big screen TV in the nursery. I guess it was for anyone who was in there could listen to the, the preaching yeah, or whatever. True. So one Saturday after bus visitation, me and my brother and my friend, we were talking about uh, wanting to play Halo or Call of Duty or something like that. My friend had the idea. He was like, hey, there's like that big TV in the nursery. He was like, what if we ask someone from the church if we can use that? So we saw uh, the assistant pastor who was the pastor's brother at the time. And we're like, he said, hey, would you, would it be okay if we um, brought our Xbox in there and played, (laughs) uh, played some Halo or whatever? And he's like, yeah, I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> and we're like dude this is awesome so the church we grew up at had a tv like that like that nursery it had a vhs player in there so while my mom was cleaning the church we would watch like the old disney movies and the old cringy christian movies that all these churches had and uh, i think one time i remember we somehow hooked up our super nintendo to the thing <laughs> we're destined to be friends yes you and john <laughs> <laughs> well anyway so yeah it was a really good church this was when I actually like, because we were, this was the first time that I was going to church on a weekly basis and actually a three times a week basis, three to thrive, you know, our, our parents weren't there, but we wanted to go to, we liked that church. So we wanted to go every time the doors were open as older teenagers go about to enter their twenties, you know, we were looking for potential mates. That was one of my dad's uh, things that he wanted us to do was to try to find a uh, good perspective spouses or whatever and I didn't accomplish that when I was there but we did make some really good friends after going there for quite a bit of time that's when I started to really wonder about my salvation uh, because up and up to that point like I loved the churches and everything like that but I still didn't I remember you know hearing this teaching preached about you know making a decision and you know if you're not 100% sure you're saved you need to get that settled and stuff like that and I always just thought well you know there's no way you can really know you're saved you're you know you just get saved if you're saved if you if you stay if you endure to the end and you're a believer that's what I believed at the time and we had some friends and there was an older couple in the church that uh, they invited us over to their house because my sister, my sister's friend, they, they were like mentors to her. They, they they all worked in the rock of ages prison ministry. And so my sister's best friend at the time uh, had some deep talks with my sister about this, who she kind of believed the same way, like that you couldn't know for sure. And st- or well, no, I think she, she believed, I, I, I just know that she believes like you could lose your salvation. And so did I and stuff. So uh, anyway, long story short, this old, this older couple invited us over to their house for dinner. We kind of had a talk that was super uncomfortable. Well, uncomfortable for me, not, I'm not saying that they made it uncomfortable. I do want to be clear because this is another couple that I deeply respect and they've helped me a lot in my journey into becoming a Christian. I genuinely, genuinely believe that the Holy Spirit had been convicting me for a long time at that point. Well, for about a month, that night is when I, it clicked and I just knew 
that I wasn't saved, that I knew I wasn't a Christian, that I had kind of been faking my spirituality and stuff. I told them about my baptism. My dad actually baptized me when I was 15. He baptized me along with my brother in a river. I didn't think of it, anything of it at the time, but I know that probably sounds kind of weird to outside or people outside my family, but that's just how my family is. <laughs> so I, I kind of equated that with my salvation. So I told them that I was saved when I was 15, just to get them off my back. Anyway, about a month went by a lot of nights. I had a really hard time sleeping because, you know, you hear all that preaching about the rapture and Jesus could come back anytime and you could be left behind or, you know, I just didn't know. I, and I knew I wasn't saved. One Sunday morning, I had been like thinking about it all, all day, the day before and all night. And I was just like, okay, I, I'm just going to go up at the end of the service. Like, I don't care. I'm just, I'm just going to go forward and I'm going to get this taken care of because it's like eating at my soul. <laughs> I don't remember what was preached at all that Sunday. I just remember as soon as they started the invitation and everyone closed their eyes. I raised my hand and I walked to the front and I was crying and the pastor came up to me. He was like, uh, what would you like? Or was there something you'd like to talk about? And I was like, yeah, I'm not saved. And he was like, well, I think, you know, what? I think, I don't even think I need to tell you what to pray or anything. Like I'm pretty sure sh- he, he, he knew that I knew <laughs> the situation. And so I, I prayed there. I believe that I was actually saved probably the moment that I stepped forward, just, I don't think it's about the words that you say. I don't think it's some magic, you know, incantation or anything like that, that gets you born again. But I think it's having that repentant heart, just willing to, to give your, give your life to Jesus. And that's what I did. That's how I became a Christian. We went to that church for a few more months, but then there was another house that my parents still had in Southern Illinois. I think they were thinking about selling it before, but then my dad changed his mind and he decided that he wanted us to be in Southern Illinois and not Tennessee. So we had to move and leave that church. Then we wound up back at that first church, the one that we went to before Paraguay. And I had one of, one of my friends, we still kept in touch. Well, we kept in touch with several of our friends from Tennessee, but one of them that was, well, it was actually my sister's best friend, Rachel. She would tell me like, you know, I think you need to do more with your life. Like I was kind of directionless. I wasn't really aspiring much or whatever. I didn't have like a big career path ahead of me. And she was like, you know, maybe, you know, you just got saved. Like he gave it all for you. Why don't you give it all for him? Like you should go to Bible college and stuff or think about a career in ministry. So I was like, well, I guess there's really nothing better I'm doing with my life. So I visited a couple different colleges. Then I found Bethel, where we went to in Arkansas. It was during a missions conference. I actually visited during the missions conference. I wasn't there when you guys, was that when Alan Domley preached at the youth conference? Yeah, that was uh, Alan Domley. It was the youth conference in college days. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't actually visit during that time. I visited a little bit before that in the winter months, or it was like February. We had a huge storm when I visited. Me and my sister were in this Mustang, like a 95 Mustang, and had a couple people from the college, like in the back seat with us while we were visiting. And when we were driving from an evening service at the church back to the college, we actually like slid off the road and... (laughs) Uh, because of all this, there was like a huge snowstorm that came in, but uh, I connected with the people there. Uh, A lot of them, like God told me that you were going to be coming to this college, you know, that 
typical spiritual manipulation and stuff like that. God led me to say this. Yeah. God did lead you. <laughs> I do believe that God put that in my life at the time, even though I don't think that the way that those, the college tried to kind of manipulate me into it, I don't think that was good. But honestly, I wasn't really doing much with my life at the time. Made the decision finally to go ahead and do it. I told God I was, I mean, I, I prayed about it and it was like, I don't think I can do this unless I have the money to, like, I don't want to be making payments, at least for my first year. I want to like be able to pay off like at least the first semester when I get there and like have money to buy a new laptop because mine was like five years old or something and really crappy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I made the decision to do that. And then uh, money just started, started appearing. I know that sounds like kind of like the IFB teaching about, you know, you give into God and he'll give you lots of, but I genuinely believe that God provided, but yeah, God provided money in some mysterious ways. And that I genuinely believe were signs that, that God wanted me yeah. there. That's how I got into Bible college. I met you, James, and I met my best friend, Glenn, a lot of other people, <laughs> other people. Yeah. Met April after I graduated, mm -hmm. or well, around the time I graduated, mm -hmm. I guess it was my senior year. I moved here in 2014, so. I met my wife, the, I was actually dating someone for a, a little over a year, then it kind of, we had a bad breakup, mm -hmm. and some, some good friends of mine actually introduced me to my wife. She wasn't going to that college, she was going to a different, or she had already graduated from a different Bible college in the same state, but she wasn't living too far away. So we started texting each other, and I visited her, her church, and then we started going out with her family, then, you know, the typical stages of, do you want to be boyfriend or girlfriend, and then I love mm -hmm. you, and then like, mm -hmm. we were actually talking about, we were just talking about what our plans were for the future and I remember maybe she was just asking me like do you think you know that marriage is an option in the future and I was like yeah I mean I think so like that's why I'm dating you like I don't want to just date to date or whatever and then she was like well my mom asked if like the week during spring break next year and this was like in October or November or something she was like my mom said the week during spring break it would be a good time for us to be able to to have a wedding and she was like do you think that's too soon and I was like oh she's she's for real okay <laughs> she proposed to you <laughs> okay I was thinking you know maybe here you know eight months something like that but this was like six months away at the time or maybe less than six months I don't know for sure but uh I was like that sounds good like I mean I loved her and we had already told each other we loved each other and so I didn't propose to her then but I asked her dad for permission on Thanksgiving then on Christmas that year I proposed exactly three months after that we were married <laughs> yeah. what year did y'all get married 2016 okay March of 2016. Yeah, that adds yeah. up. Okay. I was trying to figure, I was doing the math in my head because when I moved here in 2014, you weren't, I don't think you were dating anybody. It was the beginning. It was actually the end of 2014 that, that my friends talked to me about, about my wife, mm -hmm. about Kayla. It was January 5th when I, they asked her, they told her about me, if it's okay, or like, if he wants to talk to you, is it okay with you if we give him your, your phone number? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, they gave me her phone number. He gave me her phone number, like towards the end of December. I thought about it for about a week. And then I was like, yeah, let's do this. Oh. <laughs> so, I was, so I texted her and we just like, 
uh, pretty much hit it off right away. We had like a lot in common. Then I met her probably a few weeks after that, visited her church with one of my friends because I was too scared to go by myself. I thought that would be awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Single dude on a yeah. Sunday night, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just randomly showing up to talk to a girl. So I was like, I better bring, bring a bodyguard. <laughs> I actually have a funny story for you. I don't know if you knew about this. I might've told you, I think I'm pretty sure it was you. Um, When me and uh, my two roommates moved down here, I won't mention them, their names. Um, We actually saw you talking on the phone or texting one time. And I was Mm -hmm. with my best friend and I looked at her and I was like, Ooh, he looks happy. I wonder who he's talking to. And she's like, (laughs) Oh, I bet it's probably a girl. And I said, Oh, I thought it was his dentist. I was just being stupid. like I do be quiet anyway (laughs) I I pretty I'm pretty sure it was you and it was funny yeah so yeah I remember when we were in that diner in the back of the church the or fellowship hall whatever you want to call it where all the college kids where all the cool kids hung out yeah that's where I asked for her number so oh okay yeah yeah but I remember um this was yeah just a few months well I guess it was probably like five or six months after me and my ex-girlfriend broke up. And then I remember, yeah, I think I was like texting Kayla or something like that. And I remember a bunch of people were like, who are you talking to? <laughs> I was like, your wouldn't face, you like to know? <laughs> your face showed how happy you were. Yeah. And it was obvious. But, yeah. But yeah, it's been good. Uh, been happily married five years. So yeah, you're uh, one year ahead of us. So yeah. Yeah. There'll be more details about our story next time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm interested to know how you found the, uh, the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, because I think you found it either right before us or about the same time. Because yeah. I remember a conversation where you guys were kind of like talking to, about it with us, like right. kind of cautiously, like, are you cool with it? Because if you are, yeah. we are. Mm-hmm. I remember that conversation. So I mentioned we got married. Well, before... I think it was my last semester that I was technically in Bible college, but I was actually taking correspondence because I just wanted to get the heck out of that place. (laughs) (laughs) Me and a friend that I was also going to college with, but then we both wound up leaving that church that next semester and getting an apartment of our own. I decided that my last service at that church was going to be during their missions conference in February. Well, actually, I think I had already moved into the apartment at that time, but I was taking correspondence classes and then, and then I was going to church where he was and where I've been for like the last five years up until this past January, or actually, I guess it was like six years. Cause I went there before Kayla and I were married. I was really tired. I was really burnt out of the church that I went to Bible college at just because of, I mean, you guys know, because you, that's where you were at for how many years? Like what, five or six years or something? Six for me. Uh, I was there since 2011. Yeah, so, yeah, that's true. So about nine years for you. Yeah. Yeah, I was just getting really burnt out and I saw like a lot of double standards and hypocrisy and different mm-hmm. things like that. I didn't really care for the leadership there. And mm-hmm. not that everyone at that church was bad. It's just. Right, right. No, I had some good friends there. I know some people there that I still like and look up to and stuff. Yeah, I went to this other church, uh, which. I thought it was kind of a breath of fresh air at the time. The pastor was a lot more approachable and everything like that. But then I got sucked into preaching children or children's church. Then my wife got sucked into it, into that ministry with me whenever we got married, which I enjoyed it for a while. 
but eventually after about five years of it just being the two of us and we would have one or two other people off and on sometimes it was just one sometimes it was two sometimes there was occasional times when it was just me and my wife up there and with between anywhere between like 15 and 30 kids probably most of them being you know bus kids from the inner city that the church picked up on buses and their parents didn't come to church or whatever they were a handful we were getting kind of burnt out on it glenn you know the other member of this podcast he had left the church a little bit before we did, I think it was a couple of years before because he, he moved to Oklahoma to be with his family and stuff, do some different things like that. But he started telling me about some different things. Like he told me, I think the first thing he told me that, that kind of shocked me was he said he was a Calvinist. And I thought I laughed when he first told me that I was like, you're joking. And he was like, no, I'm serious. Because he, he would do that. He would do those kind of jokes like where he would tell me that he's he's gay or something like that. And, and then just be like, I'm just kidding, bro. He's good at that. <laughs> he's really actually quite good at that. Yeah. <laughs> you have a hard time not taking him seriously whenever exactly. he says stuff yeah. like that. So so you can understand then why I, you know, why I was laughing and I thought he would be joking about that. But then I found out he was serious and I I didn't scold him, but I definitely judged him. I definitely tried to have a lot of those conversations about like well this verse is this and you know that doesn't align with I'm, I'm still gonna say I'm, I'm not a Calvinist and I and I don't look down on anyone who is I, mm-hmm. uh, obviously me and Glenn are still best friends to this day Every, everyone has different different approaches to that that's not a fundamental issue that you know we need to divide over uh, but at the time I saw that as one because that's what our churches had taught us to believe that you know Calvinism was damnable heresy and everything then probably about a year after that, or six months or so after that, he told me that he didn't believe in using the King James only. And then that's when I was like, really like, okay, Glenn, like, let's think about this like direction that you're going in. <laughs> the uh, favorite phrase of the uh, code for your backsliding. <laughs> and, you know, the, I had the typical conversation of, you know, once you change your Bible version, you're, you're going to start going to a church that you know, that has all the purple lights and they they don't have any standards or anything like that. Use pallets and all their decorating. It's like, yeah, I, I understand. I think he, and he, he didn't really like try to disagree with me a lot, but he just said like, I, I just can't, he's like, it's not really anything. There's nothing in the Bible about King James or whatever. And so I, I didn't agree with him, but I didn't want to fight or argue with him about it. It didn't, it didn't hurt our friendship at all. So 2019, I think, was probably the year that maybe I started questioning some things that in our church and I, but then 2020 was the big year. It was election year. Politics was everything that was talked about in church. I was getting tired of it. We, my wife and I were getting burnt out in the children's ministry. We had bus captains that were bringing in kids from the projects, basically. And I wanted these kids to be able to hear about Jesus and everything. I would like go to these bus captain, like, I mean, there was, it was older couples that didn't have any, or well, they didn't have any like young kids or anything in the church. And I'd be like, Hey, I'm glad that you're bringing these kids. Would you mind maybe sitting in the in the junior service with them to kind of help them because they don't, they've never been to church before. They don't know how this stuff works. I can't preach and be getting onto them every five seconds to stop goofing around and stuff and take them to the bathroom every five minutes. Like I need some, 
sometimes they would go in there one week and then they would just like after that they would take the kids back up there and then go back and then the adults would go back to the main service we tried to deal with it for a while sometimes i would just tell them like look this kid i can't handle them you can either take them home or you can or i'm going to have them sit with you down in the main service if you if you're not willing to sit with them up here basically the same story they would for two or three weeks maybe they would suspend them from riding the bus but then they would bring them right back up and repeat the same cycle and it was getting really frustrating so that was kind of like the beginning of 2020 for us what we were going through then covid happened mm-hmm. on a saturday i was i i worked i started working at a different job i was working at chick-fil-a for a long time before that and then i started working at a bank And I was working uh, on a Saturday for a few hours. And then I got a call from one of those guys. I don't think he was on staff, but he was just like kind of living on the church property and helping the pastor with a lot of stuff. And he called me just to say, hey, uh, pastor decided that we're not going to, we're going to do a virtual service tomorrow. He just decided it was best for, to try to ensure the safety of everyone and stuff like that. So you don't have to worry about junior church or anything. We're not going to run the buses. We're probably going to be doing this for a few weeks, at least until numbers start to die down or whatever. About that. <laughs> I, I, I felt like I was like, okay, there must be something wrong with me, but like, I am super happy that I don't have to go to church. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I get that. A few weeks went by of that. And I was just like talking with my wife and I'm like, like, is there something wrong with us? Like, like, I'm glad that we're not in junior church and uh, preaching to these kids. Like, I mean, I, I love those kids and everything. And I liked, I liked preaching the Bible to them and everything. But I was like, this is just so relaxing. Like, you know, when once you take a step away for a little bit, you realize how much of a burden that was. A few months, I think a few months into that, they, or maybe a month or two after that, we started slowly reopening the service. We didn't start the junior church back up um, or the bus routes or anything quite yet. I think it was maybe like April or May that year. Glenn sends me this clip of one of the podcast wars episodes of the RFP. It was the clip where Brian was talking about, he was talking about people in, like, he was like, I, I remember that in this church service where they were singing, I have been blessed and they get to that patriotic chorus. And then someone picks up the American flag and everyone's running around the church and screaming, hallelujah, praise God and yeah. waving the American flag. And I was like, um, <laughs> wow, there's some people that actually like, I, this is stuff that I had talked about with Glenn before. And with my wife, like I, I just despise that kind of patriotic, like nationalism stuff in churches. Like, why do we have to bring America into churches? That's not in the Bible. It's not anything to do with, it's not anything to do with why we go to church. This is like, you know, the apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians, by the way, God bless Rome. Hail Caesar. (laughs) (laughs) Hail Caesar. Sorry. (laughs) Like I sometimes wonder if, if um, we were in the Marvel universe, if Trump was a Hydra supporter, would we be saying hail Hydra? <laughs> like, uh, or would independent Baptist be saying that? But, but it, it felt like we were in like these political rallies and like going to a Fox news debate or something like that. Every time yeah. we went to church, when I heard that first, ep- that first clip of that episode, I was like, wow, there's actually some people out there that go to that have been to the same kind of churches that have seen that same kind of stuff and think the same way I do about it. Like I thought I was the only one. I, I remember when I first talked to Glenn about that, he thought I was dumb for 
criticizing, like over patriotizing the church and stuff like that. He thought that I was, that I was, you know, sinning or, or not sinning, but you know, he thought I was being stupid by criticizing that. And then he eventually saw that too. And then when he sent that, I was like, wow, this is crazy. So I went on a, a deep dive listening to all their podcasts up until that point of June or July or whatever it was that they had released up to them. But April, you mentioned about like where we first talked to you. So I think mm -hmm. you said the first episode you watched was like the Phil Kid or listened to was the Phil mm -hmm. Kid episode. Yep. So I remember we were hanging out at Glenn's apartment and I was looking on my phone at Facebook and I saw like this, there was the, cause I was also listening to the Preacher Boys podcast with Eric Skorzynski at the time. I saw he shared a clip of the RFP where Phil Kidd was like bashing the IFB movement and stuff. And he was talking about mm -hmm. how, yeah. uh, how they're sending people to hell and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. And I saw that you liked that April. Yeah. <laughs> or I saw that you you had liked that person. Yes. I was like, one of us. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, Glenn, like uh you need to like one of us needs to call like James or April or something like that. And I mm -hmm. think that's when we had that conversation and we were like, Yeah, okay. I so had just guys. started listening at that point. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had listened, I listened to Phil Kid, the Phil Kid episodes. And then a few, I guess a few days later, you finally yeah the dive yeah because for for me and i'll go into more detail on this whenever we do my backstory ne next time for me my first instinct about hearing people talk uh podcast talking about christianity was oh they're just bashing it and yeah. not worth my time but then i was like oh phil kidd's on there i was a bit of a fanboy of his mm -hmm. back in the day so i was like ah and she kept nagging me about like the loving wife she is i love you there's other words you <laughs> nagging just I, saying i know it's just the uh, i politely prodded you to listen to it repeatedly yes well that <laughs> yes, if it makes you feel feel any better april that was this i went through the same thing thing with um with kayla um she had she wanted nothing to do with it and she was mm. like uh i think you're just like overthinking things and stuff like that and yeah. like but then I started like pointing out like during each church service, I would be like, what do you think about that thing that pastor said? Or what do you think about, uh, you know, we would have someone else in the pulpit and they would be preaching about socialism in America and the King James and all that stuff. Like this, all these issues that are like not primary issues that we should be so concerned about. She started to see and get on board with what I was saying. Yeah, I remember the the after I listened to the uh, kid thing, I was just my mind was just mm -hmm. reeling from like I felt guilty huh? for listening, and, and that it was just like things that I had thought about for for years, just mm -hmm. like were affirmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I long before you know we even left the church and everything, I had been questioning things because I work in a Christian bookstore I have for about seven years now. The thing that got to me in there was like, I'm surrounded by all these books, by all these Christian authors. Now, some of them are outright heretics, but that's right. another story. But according to the IFB, all these guys don't know one ounce of the Bible, yet I've read their books. I've read other versions of the Bible and it just didn't add, just didn't add up. Well, that's probably because you lost your salvation and you, you're deceived. And mm, so now yeah. this stuff uh, seems like gospel to you, but it's actually wicked heresy. Yeah. You're trendy. <laughs> you stinking, we've, trendy, liberal, loose lip, yellow-bellied. <laughs> we've all went down went down the, compromise. Uh, the road of compromise. Yeah. It's fun. You should so, join us. We have cookies. <laughs> 
And I guess I'll just kind of update you guys of where I'm at today. So, uh, which you guys already know, but just for the listeners. And so, yeah, we started bringing this stuff up to my wife. Uh, she doesn't really, like I've got her to listen to some of the episodes of the RFP. She's she's still like not really into it. I think she just doesn't care for like uh, bashing other people and uh, calling people out and stuff like that, which I understand. I mean, mm-hmm. I think there's a there's a balance to that too, that we need to be careful for of not being, we, we should be calling out sin, but not like just looking for opportunities to throw people under the bus or to, we ought to be loving like Christ is and everything. So that's one, I mean, my, my wife has really been a help to me and not where sometimes I just like want to, <laughs> I just want to go and maybe post a rant on Facebook or something. She'll talk me out of it and she'll, she'll speak uh, <laughs> some common sense into me and to slow me down. Same. (laughs) Yeah. Is is James the one that does that for you, April? Yes. Yeah. We kind of go back and forth sometimes. It's usually me though, and I've usually got some long flowing report. She she's the more active on social media than I am. Yeah. Uh, Me, I'm on I'm on Twitter, but mostly I'm on there just to watch stuff. And whenever it gets too serious, that's when I switch over to a non account and just start posting nonsense. So yeah. (laughs) You have a non account. Um, five. <laughs> I ran out of stories for a bunch of them, so I don't post as much anymore, but yeah. We got to a point at our church where I think on a Wednesday night one time, uh, there were just, there was a message about, I don't, I don't even know what it was about, but it was all, it was just all negative stuff. Kayla just got her Bible and she's like, she like looked over at me and she's like, I'm just going to do my own like Bible study while we're here because like there's it's pointless listening to this message. And so we just both were kind of like looking and, and actually got a lot of uh, like on Wednesday nights after work, you know, I I felt like I got a lot of uh, good Bible time in just by (laughs) reading my Bible during the, during the preaching and stuff like that. And not really. Uh, But then there was the one thing I think that really the straw that broke the camel's back or whatever. We had a missionaries couple at our church that was, well, it was a a family. The wife seemed, I mean, you could just tell that she was going through a lot, uh, probably mentally and emotionally and stuff like that. I don't, I don't know if they might've just been there a Sunday morning, or maybe it was a Sunday morning and a Sunday night. I think it was that next Wednesday night, the pastor was talking and he was like, yeah, we had this, there, there was this missionary couple that was that was at our church on Sunday and and this was guys this was on I think this was streamed on Facebook live at the time because you know it was still during COVID and stuff and so they were trying to broadcast the service for anyone who couldn't make it to the church and stuff so and he said this missionary family came and we had them over to our house uh, for lunch on Sunday we were like you know being very hospitable and everything but like the that guy's wife was just like had a really negative attitude this whole time and like you know we tried to like make conversation with her and like encourage her but she was just like had such a such a bad attitude and a negative spirit and he was like just bashing her and I'm like I was looking at Kayla I'm like this is on Facebook live. He didn't say their names, but if, if for it's anyone obvious. who had gone to church uh, yeah. on Sunday, uh, they all knew who he was talking about. And, and they were actually close friends with some people that, uh, that were members of our church that are also in the rock of ages. I can just imagine like, what if they were, I don't think they were at that service, but what if they were watching, like, what would they think about what he was saying about those friends of his? And it was frustrating. So after we got home that night, 
we I think we were in separate cars because we uh, both went to church after after work or whatever and we met there but when we got home I was like do you think that's a, like I asked my wife I was like do you think that's okay for a pastor to talk like that about about a missionary's wife and she was like no she was like I think I'm on board with you like I had been talking with her for a few months about looking for another church and stuff. She was like, I think I'm okay with leaving. So we decided pretty much at the end of that, uh, at the end of 2020, we were going to let pastor know that we were going to be looking for another church. And so I, I think it was, we were going, we went up to um, Branson one weekend for the day before we left. It was a Saturday. I put a letter in the mail telling pastor that uh, we were going to be going that, that we were going to stay there for two more weeks, but that there's a lot of stuff that we just didn't uh, see eye to eye with. And uh, we decided we were going to be leaving and looking for a new church. And I got a text message back from him the next Monday and it seemed very genuine, like, oh, I understand. And, you know, we're, we're heartbroken about you guys leaving and stuff. Well, it turned out that the pastor and his family and stuff had got COVID that week. So they went back to virtual services. So we weren't able to go those two, those last two weeks that we were planning on going. And I listened, we tuned into that Wednesday night service. It was just a sob story about how everyone's leaving the church and um, leaving us in a time of crisis. And, and we have these, uh, these young people that are just going off to chase their wildest dreams and uh, they're starting to question everything. And, and I was like, right. well, deuces guys, I guess we're not going to be tu- tuning into the Sunday service. We're going to go visit a, a new church. <laughs> so <laughs> we decided just to, and I mean, honestly, it's been, it's been one of the best years of our lives, just refreshing and getting to, and now we're in a church that we love. It's just, it's very, very refreshing. Uh, yeah. I can't really describe it in words, but it's just so much different from the churches we've been a part of for the last, like, or that I've been a part of at least for like the past 10, 12 years or something. Yeah. Whenever we first left and finally started visiting church, we visited like what, 10 so churches? 10, 12. We're in the Bible Belt. We're in the Bible Belt, y'all. I think we visited a similar amount, like maybe 12 churches or something. Yeah. The first church we went to was like your like, like she said before, your purple lights, your band on stage, <laughs> your drummer in a cage. It was awesome. <laughs> but I think that was the like the second church we went to. The first one we went to was a Bible church similar to y'all to y'all's church, um, yeah. but it was in Little Rock. And then I think maybe it was I don't know. It was some Sunday around the time that we left that we went to. Yeah, it was pretty much a a rock band church, <laughs> and yeah. it was awesome. Yeah, and it it was. I, I felt it was kind of a good idea for us to start off at the very opposite end of the spectrum of what we were used to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the funny, the funny thing was, whenever we went went to a First Baptist Church afterwards, I never realized how stiff Baptists were. Like, mm-hmm. well, some of them. Yeah. Like there was uh, this band uh, up on stage, like giving their heart out, like playing like uh, singing and playing their heart out and everyone in the pew was just a, you could replace them with a cardboard cutout. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Mannequins. Yeah. Yeah. Not that we're bashing Baptist or yeah. anything, but it, it's, hey, we, well, my wife and I are still in a Baptist church. It's not independent Baptist, but Hey man, Southern you know, Baptist. we're in a, uh, what I like to call what, like a fake Baptist church, non-denom, <laughs> which is like a Baptist church with a cool website as uh, yeah. 
the Tim. great Tim Hawkins says. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. it's all good. It's been a good journey. We're definitely I feel like we're in a better place emotionally, mentally, everything. It's a process, but at yeah. least finally feel we're on the right track with mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I, I do want to say one other thing. Like there was I think one of the biggest things, another big thing that I just had a huge problem with uh, in the churches we were going to and in that movement is you were never allowed to be vulnerable. Like Mm. you can't, there were certain sins that I was struggling with and stuff like that. And for several years, and I just, you know, I never felt like I could talk to anyone about those or talk to anyone about the things that I struggle with, because the moment you do, they had ammo to use against you. you. You're like, okay, well, you need to go to counseling and you need to have discipleship from the pastor. And you're just looked down upon when, when you struggle with these things that not everyone else does, or I think a lot of people do, but no one wants to talk about it. And it's just nice that the church that we're at, our pastor is real. He talks about you know, he talks about his flaws in, in the Sunday school class we go to, everyone talks about their flaws and the Bible studies and stuff like that. And it's just, it's nice to know that, that there's people going through the same battles that you're going through and they don't cast stones at you or anything like that when, when you're going through different things. Yeah. There's a casting crown song that talks about, uh, I think it's called like the stained glass masquerade about how a lot of people in church, they're all wearing masks to make it seem like they have it all together when really on the inside they're falling apart because yeah. no one wants, it's hard to admit that you make a mistake and you're not perfect. Like you said, I've struggled with stuff too, but I could mm-hmm. never get the courage to seek help because I always felt like doing so is a sign of weakness and we used against me and mm-hmm. <sighs> their broken vessels can be used too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of reminds me of the song truth be told by matthew west mm. i love the second verse when he talks about like it says there's a there's a sign on the door it says come as you are but i doubt it and mm. is it because if we live like that was true what's the next words it's like uh, anyway basically he's saying how we put on these masks and that's the idea of the songs that we're trying to be perfect and say that we're fine and that we don't have any problems but you're not going to get anywhere if you're not honest and you don't deal with your struggles in a healthy way and try to get help yeah the uh i I looked at the lyrics to that casting crown song and well one of the part of it is is there anyone that fails is there anyone that falls am i the only one in church today feeling so small because when i look around everyone everybody seems so strong i know those who discover that i don't belong so i took so i took it all away like everything's okay if i make them all believe it Maybe I'll believe it too. So with a painted grin, I play the part again so everyone will see me the way I see them. Mm. Yeah. Wow, that's really Mic good. Drop. Yeah. Yeah. Casting Crowns was my first uh, my, uh, CCM band. But yeah. <laughs> tisk, tisk. Well, if we're, if you're done with your story, John, it's time for a bit of cringe from your past. <laughs> okay. If we, if we must. Yeah. I have acquired this. The uh, sermons that we preached while we were in Bible college. And <laughs> this right here was a little popcorn, like three minute sermon. It was your first time with the hilarious joke that you're only there for a one year Bible degree. <laughs> that took you four years to get. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> Should I give us a drum roll? Yeah. Okay. All right. Go, go. In the immortal words of JC, let's go.
My name is John Hathaway. I'm from McClure, Illinois. I'm a freshman at Bethel Baptist College studying for a one-year certificate in the Bible. I'm going to be preaching from uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Let's see how many times I say, um, for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known of God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Uh, my first point is, it's a, or it says, be careful for nothing. So my first point is, worry about nothing. We need to uh, remember that God, he already knows everything that's going to happen in our lives, and we don't need to worry because God has everything under control. Uh, he, whatever you're going through, God, God will never allow you to be in a I situation. I actually copied this sermon from someone else, and, but yeah, uh, like it wasn't my original. It says in the Bible, where sin abounds, grace doth, mu doth much more abound. And then my second point is um, pray about everything. It says, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So in everything you ought to pray uh, because God wants to hear your prayers no matter how simple or, or insignificant they are uh, because God just wants to hear your desires and your needs and even though he already knows what you pray before you say it and God wants to he wants you to tell him your request and the more you include God in your life the more he'll include you in his life or in in his work and his will and um, legalism point is be thankful for anything and it says again um, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and, th or by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God so you have to be thankful in every situation that you can be in even though we might be in uh, trials or tribulations God uh, he works through those he'll um, he'll use them to help help you um, be strengthened to help strengthen your faith and help you grow closer to the Lord. And um, we just when we uh, take our focus off of the negative things in life and uh, we focus more on the blessings and uh, things that we get from God, uh, then God will bless us and he'll be able to use us more. I might have been a little off, but I counted 17 ums. I might have missed some, but yeah. you probably did miss some. Yeah, that was a uh, two minutes, two minutes and 28 seconds. I was actually fairly impressed. I thought I would have said um more than that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, actually, yeah, it was still pretty cringy though. <laughs> yeah. And uh for for those of you thinking I got scot scot free, um, wait till next time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna count to all your ums. Yours and get to hear Glenn. What what did Glenn preach about? What's yeah. a sneak peek of what he preached about? Let's see here. Let me skip to that. Today you have been chosen out of this world. Now, not only are you chosen uh, daily in your life, uh, such as I work at Chick Fil A, I have been chosen by my manager to work there. Just like you, you've been chosen hey. uh, by Jesus. Christ. He was a Calvinist from the beginning. He, he didn't even You're know it. <laughs> Like my manager chose me. <laughs> I was elected by the manager. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. We, uh, I look forward to that. We we might as well. Here's me. We are here because one at one time or another, God pulled us up out of the miry pit that that was our sin at one time. Me, I was saved when I was really young, for it, for it to be exact. And uh, for for that reason, I didn't really have that much, you know. 
Yeah. You were nervous. <laughs> I can tell. I, okay. So before that, I had only preached like once and it was like to a small Sunday school class. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. That was very similar to me. I think I preached maybe uh, at my church before that my pastor would have us younger guys give like a devotional on Wednesday nights like and I think I did maybe two or three times before that but yeah yeah, I was still really green around the gills still am (laughs) but yeah I did like a dramatic monologues and like plays and stuff like that for for like a like a youth conferences and stuff but it's different Mm -hmm. when you have a script to go off of and you know you're not just and you have people to work off and not just you know doing it by yourself so yeah making yeah. up heresy on the spot exactly yeah and uh quote quoting old internet memes so yeah <laughs> and I, old english yeah ye have to say us well anyway <laughs> so yeah i think that brings this to a close yeah anything yeah. else you want to add john or no god is good <laughs> so yeah. yeah all right that's all for that um some things coming up uh next episode we do will be my story in between that we may have a couple bonus ones like uh depending on when this comes out we may have a special the halloween girls episode, episode go up halloween so Yay. i'll and be we'll, on that too well, for sure we'll probably be doing a plans for a cult classic movie episode in the future and then of course we'll round off all our stories so thank y'all for listening to this podcast follow us on all our socials uh like like us, uh, leave us reviews on all your podcasting websites, and we will see y'all later. Peace out. Um, y'all have bye. a good night or a good day or whatever time you're listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Yeah, whatever hemisphere of the world you find you in, right behind you is probably a chipmunk. Hopefully it's not in hell. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, anyway, we'll go before we get any more crazy. All right. <laughs> Yeah, it's time for me to go to bed. All right. Good night, guys.